Hey guys, Ty here from Smallacre Hunting. I just want to take a quick minute to thank each and every one of you for tuning in. Over the years, this thing that used to be a blog has now turned into a Facebook page, a website, and now we're dabbing into the podcast world. So just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Whatever social media you're listening to or you found this through, I ask that you like it, share it, whether it be because you like it, you love it, you thought the topic was interesting, or maybe you just want to make fun of me with your friends. Whatever it is, kudos to you, and thank you for tuning in. Now let's chat whitetails for a while. Welcome to the Small Acre Hunting Podcast, brought to you in partnership with Real World Wildlife Products, Radix Trail Cameras, and Treehopper LLC. Hey guys, so it is early March, and I understand it's been a while since I've kind of checked in with you guys, made a podcast, but I figured now might be a good time. Down here in the man cave, uh, trying to get organized, I've got a lot of stuff that I'm doing in my personal life with work and everything, and I got a lot of plans for the new 22, and... I'm getting involved with an organization that is centered around the whole concept of conservation. And as you can tell from the title of this, that's the discussion today. What is conservation and how it should impact you? But before I get into that, give you guys a brief update on the new 22. As many of you guys probably know, but those of you who don't, I purchased a property back in March of 2016. And uh, so we're basically right at two years right now. Basically, this is the second year being able to do a lot of stuff to it. Um, Things of that nature, because that first year we didn't have much time, didn't have much uh, money, obviously, to do it, uh, having to buy the property. But uh, So this year, uh, we made some plans and arrangements with a local Amish logger, and we're going to be logging out a large portion of the property. I'm going to be chronicling, chronicling, I don't think that's the proper word, but we're going to be logging all those into either pictorial images, video, and I will share with you guys the progression that those areas uh, go through. Uh, One of the biggest areas is actually down along the southern edge of the property, which is along my road access point. Um, We're going to be getting rid of probably somewhere between 70 and 90 cottonwoods. Um, I've got some cottonwoods that the logger actually believes are over 60 feet tall of pure loggable timber. I mean, it's just incredible. And um, the way that the cottonwoods matured, there's not many offshoots and branches until you get up to the very top of it. So uh, it's not high quality timber, but the quality of the timber that is there is of high quality, if that makes sense. So cottonwoods are not a a high dollar tree, but the cottonwoods that I have are really nice cottonwoods. So they're probably going to take some maples out of there as well. And there is some pine trees in the corner of that property. The original plan was for them to log the cottonwood section down there to the south in the winter when it's frozen because in the spring and then in the summer if there's rain you can't really get in it's a low-lying area i've got to dig out a trench and a retention area along the pond the pond is essentially filling in with enough silt and old trees and such that i've got to have it dug out eventually Um, but in the meantime i need to dig a a small retention area and then also a a connect the ditch Um, right now if you visited the property all the water is running down and out of the southern edge of the pond filtering into the entire woods, but then eventually it all starts pouring off to the property to the east into a ditch that then connects to the creek 
over across on the other property. So I need to make a ditch to connect that so it it kind of drains the water off my property a little bit quicker. But once we get those cottonwoods out, that area is going to become a bedding area. I'm going to go in and hinge, cut a lot of trees that are left. I'll probably cut a lot of uh, the non-desirable trees, probably log out some of the cottonwoods for, for firewood type, you know, uh, just bonfires and things of that nature. Um, some of the desirable trees I'll probably leave. I'll probably go in and plant a bunch. I want to get some uh, hybrid willows, some streamco willows. I want to get some high bush cranberry. I want to get some arrowwood, um, get some other native, maybe some service berries, maybe even throw a couple uh, pawpaws or something like that along the edges of it. Um, but that's the plan for down on the southern edge. I also am logging out everything to the north. Uh, there's a lot of pine trees, cherries, and oaks up there. And I'll be leaving some of the oaks, some of the non-desirable, not good logging trees. And I'm going to have them leave. There's at least one massive oak tree that um, they're going to try to take if they can't. Um, if they do take that one, I'll probably leave one or two others. But I am going to leave a couple, uh, you know, mature uh, acorn-producing uh, oaks up there. Um, but for the most part, any tree that is of loggable value while they're there I want them to get it out because I want to expose a ton of light to the forest floor and mature trees just are not going to cut it for me and we'll have a further discussion on that and I don't want to get into that too much but uh, they're doing me no good standing up so they're all coming out but let's kind of delve into this this question that's kind of been weighing on my heart because I've been seeing a lot of discussions about it and I've been seeing a lot of people with this misunderstanding what conservation is um, conservation, and actually here, you know what, let's read the definition of conservation. I didn't have this prepared, so let me pull it up. Here we go. Conservation is the action of conserving something in particular. You have preservation, protection, or restoration of natural environment, natural ecosystems, vegetation, and wildlife. It's the action. There's an action involved in conservation. You are conserving something. You are protecting something. You are supporting something. You are restoring something. And I'm sorry, and I may offend some people listening to this right now, but that is a mindset which is slowly escaping. And it already has escaped a lot of people out there, but there are a lot of hunters out there that hit the fields. There are a lot of fishermen out there or fisherwomen, you know, I'm, I'm just using the general term. There are those that fish and those that hunt that have no concept of what conservation is. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Now, if you're listening and you know I'm from Indiana and you're from Indiana, you probably know there's been a little bit of heated debate and discussion about the state of the herd in Indiana. And yes, that's kind of playing a role in why I'm making this podcast. But more importantly, it's the fact that I've joined an organization that's in my home state that is a conservation alliance. We're going to hope to teach people how to approach hunting in a conservation mindset with that mindset in mind, that you play a huge role. You play the biggest role in your localized herds, whether that be deer, turkey, you know, even down to squirrels and rabbits and things of that nature but in fishing as well, and in statewide. You know, your role, your impact ripples out, and you have a lesser impact on the state herd, and the tighter you get to your area, you have a big impact. 
But conservation is not, and it's also not just holding off, squeezing the trigger. Conservation is doing anything and everything that you can to preserve what is there. You know, this includes supporting organizations that fight for public land, um, you know, that you and I, little do a lot of people know, there are millions and millions of acres spread across the continental United States that you and I own. And they are under attack every single day from legislation, from uh, politicians, from big companies wanting to get on them to either strip them uh, for their resources or to close them down and sell them to private people, all kinds of things. And I'll be honest, if you call yourself a sportsman, if you call yourself a hunter, if you call yourself a fisherman, if you call yourself an outdoorsman, if you call yourself somebody who loves nature, not even hunter, I mean, if you're a hiker, a wildlife photographer, any of these things, and you are not at least actively involved in following and signing petitions, and if able, funding these great organizations, you're kidding yourself. You are kidding yourself at what you really are. You're just a animal killer. And I know that that's... I don't even like it when I say it because it doesn't sound like what I'm trying to go for, but... I would not call you a conservationist. I wouldn't call you a true outdoorsman, in my opinion, and that's just my opinion. Um, I know there's going to be those of you guys that disagree, and I and I greatly respect that. But the preservation of, you know, if you're a big deer hunter, the preservation of deer, you're a big role in that, especially in your area. You know, in Indiana, we kind of have different counties with different uh, bonus quotas and things of that nature that you can get for antlerless deer. I know some states are ran similar. Some states have zones. Some states have uh, statewide uh, limits, things of that nature. Some some states have a daily limit. Um, but, you know, I live in a county where up until last year you could take eight antlerless doe. Uh, I shouldn't say doe. Eight antlerless deer with antlerless tags. Now, very few people actually even harvest above two or three in Indiana, and I'm using this as an illustration for those of you that live outside of the state, put it in your situations, you know. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, I hunt some properties that don't have deer problems, uh, per se. There's a couple properties that, you know, yes, if I compared it to 10, 12 years ago when Indiana had just... A, a plethora of deer, yeah, I mean, things by comparison are a lot worse than then, but, you know, I still see deer pretty much every hunt. Um, I don't see the browse lines um, just devastating the browse edges of fields and such like they used to do back then. Um, I feel like the habitat is lusher, can provide better uh, for the deer now, but, I mean, there's definitely some pockets and areas where... I wouldn't want to take more than a deer out of the lo- a, a, an antlerless deer out of the localized herd. You know, I like to wait until after firearm season here in Indiana because that's just something that you know I like to be able to kind of gauge, be able to guesstimate. You know, and that's what it really always boils down to. It is more of a guesstimate than anything. But I try to you know stay in touch with local hunters around me. I like to stay in touch with my cameras and and see what the impact was of firearm season because in, in Indiana at least you know the majority of the deer are harvested you know during the two weekends opening weekend of firearms and then Thanksgiving weekend of firearms those 
those two weekends make up the brunt of the harvest. So if I can wait until after that, unless I really have a plethora of, of antlerless deer, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out there to kill just because I can because I can or or I should or you know. And, and I'm sorry, there's not many of you. I would actually bet that most of you, if you're listening to this podcast and you've made it this far, you're like me or you're like the numerous other hunters out there. You do not hunt strictly because it's the only way you're going to feed yourself or feed your family. Now, you might be like me where, by golly, <laughs> it's one of the main reasons why you hunt. You know, it's become less of a main reason to me because my wife doesn't eat venison. So, you know, I, I, I don't feel the drive to have to fill the freezer as much. But I get it. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, it's a great way to supplement your, your food source, your food income into the family. And, and it can impact the budget. But you know what? The funny thing is, most hunters out there, it's not saving you any money because you either paid for a lease or you paid for that high dollar rifle or that high dollar bow or those arrows or all of that. It's trail cameras, it's stands, it's gas to and from your property or everything like that. By the time you get it all done, if you put food plots in, I guarantee you the meat's not cheaper. So uh, stop kidding yourself and say you're hunting for the meat. So if we could all just do ourselves a favor and actually realize that we control the future of the great outdoors. Financially support organizations that are going to fight for the conservation of wildlife, for public land, for all the species. Uh, support uh, organizations and alliances that will teach people about proper habitat. That's something that I didn't even touch on. So you can you can control your trigger finger, you can assist with your pocketbook, and Support these organizations because conservation, approaching hunting and fishing or anything in the outdoors with a conservation mindset means you also are going to do everything you can to assist the wildlife. Forests are being destructed, every, you know, not destructed, sorry, that wasn't the right wording, but forests are being torn down every single day for new industrial parks, more tillable ground, uh, for subdivisions, things of that nature. We're losing habitat, especially in my area, at an alarming rate. Alliances and and conservation groups that encourage and assist landowners in their management of the habitat, which is is conducive to the health of whatever... You know, most of the time, if you have a a wild, uh, rich... uh, habitat, almost every animal is going to uh, have a positive experience with that habitat. You know, you do good things for the turkey, by nature you're going to do some good things for the deer, and vice versa. You know, and then the rabbits are going to enjoy it, and sadly even the coyotes will, and then you can go hunt coyotes and things like that. But we got to stop thinking in the short term because, you know, I've seen firsthand how big of an impact and a difference five to ten years can make you know especially in a localized type mindset the property you hunt now do you want it to be as good as it is now in 10 years is it terrible now and you need it to be better in 10 years well then work on educating people support organizations that will educate people that's your duty as a sportsman that's your duty as a conservationist but ultimately, I mean, I guess if all you really care about is, 
is killing animals, well then, keep going, because there's probably nothing we're going to be able to say. And when I say we, I mean all of us out there that care about the animals that you're hunting, that care about the habitat that those animals are living in, that care about the public land spread across the entire country that you can enjoy. You're welcome. Because without us, it probably wouldn't exist. And we pray you come to our side. I think I'm done raining. Thanks, guys, for at least listening, putting up with my, uh, yeah, I think rant's a good way to put it. So, this is Ty. God bless, and until next time, good luck out there.